Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Friday, the 18th of March. We start with the latest out of Ukraine this morning and in breaking news, one of Europe's biggest markets in Kharkiv has been gutted by a massive fire after a bomb attack by Russian forces. It comes as a desperate search continues for survivors in Mariupol after a local theatre was bombed. More than 1,000 women and children were believed to be sheltering in the building at the time, with local authorities now hopeful a bomb shelter inside withstood the blast after survivors started climbing out of the rubble. Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky addressing the German parliament overnight, saying Russian forces are deliberately targeting civilian buildings. Hundreds of thousands of people under shelling, without food, 24 hours a day, without water, electricity. 24-7 without reception. The Russian troops don't discriminate between military and civilians. Civilian facilities are their targets. That translation thanks to Sky News UK. And more help is on the way for Ukraine after Prime Minister Scott Morrison held further talks with his Ukrainian counterpart. Further sanctions have been flagged, with the PM set to outline details over the coming days. The people of Ukraine have shown, and their government and their leadership and uh, President Zelensky, enormous grit and courage. And they're an inspiration. This is the second conversation I've had with the Prime Minister, also spoken to the President, and they are deeply grateful for the support being provided by the Australian government and by the Australian people. Back home now and COVID cases are soaring across the country as the Omicron substrain BA2 continues to spread rapidly. There were more than 52,000 new infections across Australia recorded yesterday, with South Australia seeing its highest daily total yesterday since January. The rising case numbers also come as South Australians head to the polls this weekend with extra measures introduced to make sure those currently in COVID quarantine can still vote. Positive cases and close contacts are able to register to pick up a ballot paper from a PCR or rapid antigen testing site. To the latest on the flooding crisis now, and the federal government has finally added six more LGAs to its disaster payment scheme after concerns some residents may miss out on financial support. In New South Wales, residents in Ballina, Byron, Kyogle and Tweed are now all eligible for funds which are set to be rolled out from next week. While in Queensland, those in Croydon and Etheridge can also now get some assistance. Shadow Minister for Housing and Homelessness, Jason Clare, says delays in the funding rollout are unacceptable. It's been more than two weeks since thousands and thousands of Aussies had their lives washed away, since people lost their homes, their cars, everything. And we find out that help is being held up because Scott Morrison hasn't signed the paperwork And Treasurer Josh Frydenberg is today set to outline what the federal government plans to do to ease the rising cost of living pressures. Mr Frydenberg will give his pre-budget speech to the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry, where it's reported a targeted package will be discussed. And one of Australia's greatest cricketers has been farewelled at a funeral in Adelaide. Rod Marsh passed away earlier this month after suffering a heart attack. Family and friends paying tribute to the legend wicketkeeper, saying he was a great mate. His brother reflecting on their childhood and shared love of cricket and golf. They say younger brothers often walk in the shadow of their older brothers. The baby brother, it's been an honour to walk in your shadow. 
Rod played 96 tests for Australia. He was 74. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground. And we start in New South Wales and there's been no resolution, but a step forward in negotiations between the New South Wales government and rail union overnight. Our reporter, Sasha Barbagat, has the latest from Sydney. A bit of a boost for weary train commuters, Tash, who've suffered weeks of disruptions because of the ongoing dispute. The Transport Minister and the Rail, Tram and Bus Union have sat down and agreed to a six-week negotiation period to try to reach a deal. It's after workers threatened to launch a fresh round of industrial action this Sunday, similar to what sparked the complete shutdown of Sydney's train network last month. Both sides have now committed to reach a deal in the next six weeks, with union members to scale back any planned strikes during the intense negotiation period. And to Queensland and the State Premier and one of her senior ministers are now facing questions over the use of a private email account. A review into Minister Mark Bailey's use of the account has now been released five years after it was written. There are a number of emails that directed the minister on how to act in Cabinet or in his role as a minister. Our reporter David Shiraz has the details from Brisbane. Good morning, Tash. The State Archivist report into Minister Mark Bailey's private email account is scathing. It's a report which looks into the then Energy Minister's use and subsequent deletion of the private email account MangoCube6 at yahoo.co.uk. More than a 1,000 public records within the email account were found, 600 of which were required to be retained for periods ranging from two years to forever. There are also a number of emails that directed Mr Bailey on how to act in Cabinet by a union boss, but no evidence he actually did. The independent watchdog has previously investigated and cleared Mr Bailey of any wrongdoing. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. We all need some good news this Friday, and there is some good news with great unemployment figures released. Happy Friday, Tash. Good morning. And they are remarkably good numbers. Can I say 4% is the headline unemployment number. That's a remarkable number in itself. But it fell from 4.2% despite more of us actually looking for work. Often when you see the unemployment rate fall, it falls because people give up, walk away, say, look, I'm out. And that changes the base of the calculation. In this case, even more Australians wanted a job and more of us got one. 77,500 jobs created during the month, which was awesome. The number of unemployed people fell by 3%. Hours worked were up. And the underemployment rate, which is something we're talking more about these days, as we should, people who've got some work but want more hours, that also fell to 6.6%. So this is a really strong set of results across the board. Different state variations, of course, but almost every state showing really, really good news. Down to 3% in the ACT, 3.7% in New South Wales. Just really strong numbers across the board. Unfortunately, it does potentially lend itself to think about inflation pressures, Mm. but at least for now, uh, a really, really great set of numbers. We couldn't ask for much better. And talking about that, Scott, the concerns grow over inflation and what that means, of course, for interest rates. Interesting to note what's happening in the US and now Mm. the UK has raised interest rates. What does that mean for us? the moment. Yeah, so overnight the UK raised interest rates after the US doing it earlier this week. Uh, They are now expecting, if you can believe this, inflation in the UK to be more than 8% in a year. That means something that cost 100 bucks a year ago is going to cost $108. That doesn't sound like a lot. It is a lot. And you think about the entire grocery bill. We've been talking about that over the last couple of weeks. Just more pressure in the UK. The real question, I suppose, is can we be lucky enough? Can we really be lucky enough to maintain an inflation rate that's in the threes where it is now, 
given what the UK is going through, given what the US is going through. Yes, they're different economies. Yes, there are slightly different pressures. This is a very globalized world, as we know. It would be remarkable if we can avoid it. Uh, the bond markets are now pulling forward their expectation of a rate rise. It was July, now it's June. The Australian dollar has shot up as a result. So the market's betting the RBA is going to move and move soon. For its part, the RBA is still desperately hoping and saying, look, not yet, we're going to wait, we're going to wait for the data. Uh, but I think if they see any sign that inflation is increasing, they couldn't surely sit by while inflation went to five, six, seven, eight percent. They would have to move earlier, I assume. Unfortunately, that's bad news across the board because if prices go up bad enough, if prices go up and you have to put more on your mortgage, that is the one-two punch and that might be the downside. But uh, at this stage, look, the RBA desperately wants to keep it, as I said, but it seems very, very unlikely that they get their wish in 2022. Yeah, and Scott, there's ongoing speculation it mightn't just be one interest rate rise. There could be a number this year. Yeah, that's generally the, the orthodoxy too. Once the RBA goes, it doesn't stop at one. The idea basically, look, if we've got a problem, we're going to have to put our, our foot on it. If you're going to go once, you might as well go two or three times. The US has said six times in 2022, if you can believe that. That's one and a half percentage points added to their mortgage rate there. I don't think the RBA is going to go as far here unless they feel like they absolutely have to. But you're right, Tosh, once we start moving, I really think we'll see at least a couple this year. And if the numbers continue to be bad, it may be a decent tightening cycle. That means we might be paying meaningfully more for our mortgages in 2022 and 2023. Interesting times ahead. Scott, thank you. Indeed. Thanks, Tash. Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas. Brett, good morning. Plenty of emotion in both the AFL and NRL last night. Let's start with the AFL and Carlton kicked off a new era with a drought-breaking win over the Tigers. Yes, good morning, Tash. That's right. Not since 2012 had the Blues beaten the Tigers in round one. You mentioned the emotion. Sam Doherty, who we've spoken about this week, diagnosed with cancer for a second time. Just seven months ago, he's already back on the field and kicked a goal in the second quarter. He's a a defender, so he found himself in an unusual area of the ground. But let's take a listen to just uh, his teammates getting around him after that. What a wonderful story. Back playing footy. A big fight on his hands. He's had... And he's kicked a goal at the MCG. And look at his mates run at him in numbers. That call there on Triple M. We love a heartwarming story on a Friday morning, Tash. Absolutely. Brett and the Storm found a way to beat the Bunnies in Craig Bellamy's 500th game. They certainly did. Uh, only just, though, 14 points up with 12 minutes to go. Latrell Mitchell nailing a field goal from almost 50 metres out, so it goes to Golden Point. Ryan Pappenhausen drilled his field goal, so they get the win by that uh, one point last night against the Bunnies. Cam Munster, well, we spoke about uh, emotion at the start of this, Tash, and well, he's not sure what he would have done had they lost last night. I don't know if I would have left the field, to be honest. Um, I would have been probably crying. Um, he's done so much for this club, um, and... He's done a lot for me as well, so I'm so thankful that uh, Paps was clutch enough tonight to get that one point. Um, and, um, yeah, it was really exci- a really exciting game of footy, but uh, next time hopefully we don't do that to- again. And we've got the Aussie women's cricket side back in action tomorrow against India, going for five straight wins to start the World Cup. And the men's side play Pakistan starting Sunday in the third test. Nil all, two draws to start the series. Hopefully we don't get a dust bowl in that third test, Tash. Yeah, absolutely. Big weekend ahead in sport again. Thanks so much, Brett. Thank you, Tash. And how's this for a feel-good Friday story? Today is the day we can have that afternoon snooze or a little nap and not feel guilty about it because today is World Sleep Day. Findings from YouGov show just 53% of Australians are satisfied with their current level of sleep 
And apparently those of us who are married are more likely to be satisfied. There you go. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and a lovely weekend. Stay safe and we'll see you bright and early on Monday.